You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Happy second official day of fall. I am stoked. The air is crisp outside. I can now officially start stirring cider and doing all the fun things, wearing sweaters. I might be pushing it though because it's still about like 75, 80 degrees sometimes here in Mississippi, but hey, I'm living for it. There's been a lot of fall conversation around here, whether it's about fall decor or fall food or pumpkin, this and that. All of the fall topics have been coming up recently in my household, so I can imagine it's happening in yours too. So today's episode is perfect timing. I am so excited to have Michael and Smith on the show. You might know her as The Nester on Instagram. She is all about cozy minimalism. How do we decorate our homes well, style it efficiently so that we can host and welcome people, love on them, and honestly just share the gospel with them in our homes and through our homes. She has a new book called Welcome Home. It's a cozy minimalist guide to decorating and hosting all year round. And it's all about seasonal decor, including fall. So today's conversation is about decorating your home, styling your home if you feel stumped, what are her practical tips and next steps for decorating, whether it's for fall, Christmas, Easter, summer, or anything in between. She bosses us around in the best way and gives us some great tips that honestly I've never even heard of or thought of before, but I'm so grateful. I love what she says, that it doesn't have to be complicated to be festive, and it doesn't have to be perfect to be perfect. So here is your invitation to create some seasonal rhythms of change in your home so it's always ready to welcome you, your family, and friends in this season and beyond. Mike Lynn, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited for you being on Behind the Bliss podcast. Well, I'm so glad to get to talk about home and all things together. This is going to be fun. I know. And I just was telling you before we recorded this conversation is a selfish one for me because I just moved. <laughs> and so we're figuring out home and placement and all the things. And your tips, even just from Instagram, have been phenomenal. Being able to look through Welcome Home, your new book, which we'll get into, I'm sure, has been even more so helpful. So you're my girl. <laughs> and my husband blames you for all of the rehanging and reassigning of oh, things. He's like, is this the nester again? I'm like, mm-hmm, yes, please do that. Thank you. Well, I'm secretly jealous of you because um, although I don't love like the actual act of moving, setting up house in a new place is my favorite thing in the world. So enjoy. Yes. You've given me lots of inspo for that. I want you, though, to introduce yourself to people that might not know who you are. If someone's new to you and wants to be introduced, I'd love for you to do that. Absolutely. Well, my actual name is Mykwillen Smith. When I started on the internet 13 years ago, I wasn't sure I wanted to share my weird and unique first name. So I went by the Nester because I have a business called Nesting Place, and that was the name of my website at the time. So you might see the Nester, you might see Mykwillen. It's a weird name to pronounce anyway. But my goal is to help women create the home they've always wanted so that they can use it the way they've always dreamed. And um, I do that through, I love Instagram. So I give a tip or two every day there. 
obviously I have, you know, e- weekly email, here's to home inspiration that I send out. I create classes that I love to do. I have a community. I write books. I'll do whatever it takes, however people <laughs> want to be encouraged. So my uh, community is mostly women who wouldn't necessarily hire a designer. So they're somewhat, you know, hands on, but they just want to know what to what to focus on and what not to worry about, what to do first, you know, what really matters, what makes a difference. Um, and I am an imperfectionist, so I believe that home does not have to be perfect to be beautiful. And I'm also a cozy minimalist, so I want the most amount of style with the least amount of stuff. Oh, yes. Cozy, minimal. And we're going to dive all into that because I feel like those have been my words these days. This is our eighth in our four years of marriage. Man, you're going to beat me. You think so? I, I doubt it. I really hope. I pray not. <laughs> like, all power to you. Our first house it wasn't really how it was a trailer and um it was out at a ranch in California and one of my good friends named Jen I love to give her a shout out because she's equally excited about this interview as I am <laughs> she gave me one of your books it's the nest the nesting place oh, yeah. and that was so helpful for me because I was able to read through and be like okay it's a trailer it's not my own but I want it to be home yeah so how do I make things cozy Knowing this is going to be temporary, I'm not going to put a lot of money into this, obviously, but there's got to be a way. And she's like, there is. There's this woman named the Nestor. Like, start following. <laughs> anyway, so here we are now today, which is fun. But I think whether you're living in a trailer, in an apartment, got lots of girls listening that are in temporary housing, from what I've understood, from just sharing our story. So you have a lot of things to share from your 14 moves. <laughs> Holy but you feel like you've been able to make every place home uh I feel like all the places had the capability to feel like home and it was up to me and there were some places that I realized you know I knew we were only going to live there maybe for a year and three months into living there I looked around and we still had stacks of art leaning against the wall behind the sofa uh (laughs) drapes that weren't hung and that's kind of what spurred me on to think you know what I have to stop waiting on like our next house or our dream house because we're probably going to be renting for a while. And if I have like 25% of the time where I'm living in a place where it's not homey, where it's not finished, like my 25% of my kid's childhood is going to be in an unfinished house. And so that really thinking of it that way really helped spur me to like move into place and kind of get it set up and get things on the wall, get the furniture in the best place so we can live our lives. And we've done a lot. This is the first house we've owned in years. Um, we rented many times before that, even my first book. So the one your friend, your really good friend gave you was all written in a rental house. Yeah. Uh, and that house ended up being featured in Better Homes and Gardens and all types of magazines. But I didn't have much control in there at all. I couldn't change flooring. I really couldn't change a whole lot, but we made mm-hmm. do with what we had on a budget. And it was, those limitations were so helpful and they really made me get creative. Yeah. Why do you feel like, this is a curious question. Maybe you haven't figured this out yet. Why do you feel like there is a pressure though to have like the Pinterest perfect home when there's really beautiful pieces that you could probably repurpose right in front of you? Well, I don't know that necessarily, I think we're moving away from feeling like we have to have a perfect home. I feel, and I don't know, I'm, I'm, my kids are older, so my boys are all graduated from high school. And in my generation, we didn't have, you know, when I was your age, we didn't have Pinterest, I didn't have Instagram, but we had Martha Stewart. (laughs) And bless Martha, 
but that was a very, I mean, that was our own form of like having this perfectionist goal. We had nothing like that was all we had. I remember one time seeing a rental in a magazine and dying because it was the first feature I ever saw of someone living like I was living instead of just all these homeowners and big, beautiful homes. And so that spoke so much to me. So I kind of, to me, I feel like we're in the opposite time where lots of people feel more free to share the imperfection. But I do think you're right that even though we see it more, it is still really scary and risky to actually step into it and truly, you know, share those imperfect things. Yeah. But I do think it's really important. Yeah. I love this. You have three steps to cozy that have really helped me. (laughs) Do you mind sharing some of them? The first being welcome imperfections, which hello, that was so wonderful to me because there's lots of imperfections in this sweet little military house. (laughs) So I'm like, how can we play on these? (laughs) What can we do? And then the second is decorate with more style, less stuff. Also so good. And then three is create a seasonal hostable home, which that's truly kind of where my heart is. I'm like, I want to enjoy my home, but I also want it to be a space where I can create for other people to come and take a deep breath. Yes. Well, I'm so glad you asked about this because hardly anyone asks about this. And I think it's kind of like our three pillars to first kind of identify even where we are. And I know, I mean, they are, I do call them step one, two, and three, but sometimes you can be at step three without having needed step one. Or sometimes when you move, you're starting all over, even though you've worked through the steps. So the first step I always say is just to know that you got to learn that imperfection isn't the goal. Like I'm not your girl. If, if a perfect house that impresses others is what you're striving for, then I'm not going to be able to help you with that. Now, that being said, I don't think I've ever met anyone who that is their goal. Like it's yeah. just, it's not really what we want. We don't want to be impressed and we don't want impressible homes. A lot of us just want a pretty house that we can be proud of that feels like home to us that we can kind of forget about and have fun with, but you know, so we can use it the way we've always wanted. And so those welcome imperfections is the first step to that. And and I wrote a whole book about that. And then the next step, once Mm -hmm. we have the imperfection and like know that that's not our goal, that kind of leads us and puts us in a place where we're like, okay, I have my mindset right now, but how do I buy a sofa? And how do I hang the drapes? And what size rug should I get? And what lamp, why does this lamp look weird? And why do I have my mantle full of stuff I bought and that I like, but it looks like crazy. And so those actual real design questions are the next step. And so I even wrote a book about that uh, called Cozy Minimalist Home. And so that's how you decorate with you know, my goal is to get the most amount of style with the least amount of stuff. And so really working through those steps is so helpful just to have some guidance. I think the order of making decisions in the room is more important than we give it credit for. Because, you know, once you have your sofa, whether it's a sofa you've had for 20 years, or maybe you have the budget, you're going out to buy a new sofa. Once you have that decision made, well, then the next decision, like your chairs, or maybe you're going to buy a rug or drapes, the next decision is easier because you have limits based on what you already have. And so it just, the, the further you get in the room, almost the easier and the more fun it is if you're working in the right order. And then I say the third step, like you said, is creating a seasonal hostable home. So a lot of yeah. us, you know, once we're like, okay, I know my goal isn't perfection and I have the house kind of set up the way it's functioning and looking good to me. Now I want to use it. And now, you know, the seasons are passing. I want to feel like I can have a seasonal home that feels in touch with creation. 
but I also want to invite people in without it feeling like a burden or, you know, so overwhelming and a big production. And so that really is what I wrote the third book about, which is Welcome Home. Whoop, whoop. And I love it. And that is what I'm really excited about talking to you about today. I'm like your biggest hype girl right now, just because this book is so wonderful and it's just beautiful. And it's like a coffee table book. It's so well done. So if someone was getting caught up, maybe let's say on the perfection part, like they were just, you know, they're like, maybe I can't have people over until XYZ is done or until I figure out ABC when really, or even just all their smaller perfections imperfections in the house, what would you have to say to encourage them to kind of get over that, that little hump? Well, the first thing I would say, there's two things. Number one, when you invite people into your imperfections, what you're saying is welcome to our home where things aren't perfect. We trust that you can relate. And so you are inviting people who have already shown you that they can be trustworthy with things that are not perfect in your life and that they don't expect Uh, your circumstances, your behavior, everything in the world to be perfect. That's what real friendship is built on. And I know I had to go through a couple times where I kind of didn't trust people. And so I wouldn't let them in. I wanted to hide what we had. And I later realized, Mm -hmm. man, that wasn't me. I know I felt like I was protecting myself, but actually what happened was I didn't make, I didn't, the friendship never went deeper because I felt like they couldn't be trusted with the truth of where we lived. And that is really sad. And the other thing that helps convince me that imperfections are worth it is to think about a time where I have experienced really true, meaningful hospitality. And they have never been like a super fancy meal where the house was perfect and intimidating and there were no dishes and (laughs) I got an invitation sent and there were violins playing. No, it was like super homey home, lived in and loved on, kids running around, walk in the back door, laundry on the table. But, you know, my friend made time for me and we hung out usually impromptu. Like those are the meaningful times. And so sometimes we just have to run through that and remind ourselves when we have felt true connection, true hospitality, and usually perfection has nothing to do with it, except that it helped put us at ease. And I really believe that imperfection is like an ingredient to connecting with other people. So not only do we, is it something that we should be like, oh, I don't expect perfection. No, it should be something that we're like, I want to make sure that I am not portraying this perfect life and this perfect circumstance and this perfect scenario. Because when you do that, people don't really want to be friends with that. That is not really a welcoming persona. And so perfection is actually a really good tool to have, or imperfection is a really good tool to have just to prove that you're a real person. Yeah. I love this too. I mean, that is the message of behind the bliss podcast. I'm like, there's a lot of bliss out there and that's great. But a lot of times people feel more met and loved and known in a place where you're like, I want to see the real stuff. Like I, I love that you got out your China love that we had a tea party, but like, I want to take my shoes off and I just want to sprawl out on your couch right now and sit crisscross applesauce in my joggers. And when you have that kind of relationship compared to the, now I must put on a show if I go over to so-and-so's house, it's more freeing. There's more life. There's more depth. I, I just, I find more out of those friendships than the ones where it's a show, I for lack of better terms. And that it's honestly... It's, it's really weird to say, but it's communicated through their home. I agree. I think the home is like the first step of really 
I don't know. I feel like when I go in someone's home, I learn so much about them. And it does. It kind of lets you know, like, okay, this friendship can move forward. <laughs> I've seen how someone acts in their house. And now we're all longing for that closer connection. So I love what you said. I think that makes perfect sense and is so true. So I want to hear more about Welcome Home, the book, and would love to kind of hear the process behind it. We know that it came from one of those three pillars about creating a home that's hostable and seasonable and all the things at what point were you like, okay, this is a, this is an idea that is gold and I need to put this in the hands of other people that you felt like you had this to equip to them. I just would love to hear your heart behind it. Well, like most things, it started with uh, probably just a blog post or an Instagram post that started because of a frustration. And for me, the frustration was um, looking on Instagram and seeing these gorgeous um, mantles that were styled with a million little pumpkins, porches that were styled with literally counted one time. There were 83 pumpkins on a porch. <laughs> and first of all, let me tell you, they were truly beautiful. And I double tapped those beautiful images more than twice. Like I absolutely love them. They were stunning, shared everywhere. But the more that I saw things come up like that um, in the fall decorating circles that I'm in, everything for fall, it was almost like a contest to outdo the next porch, to outdo the next mantle, where there were times I would look at someone's dining room hutch or their mantle or their porch and think, I can't tell if that's a store selling fall merchandise, or if that is supposed to be like a place where we're going to have a fire in the fireplace, because there are so many baskets and pillows and everything, everything said fall on it. Like, how I just thought, are these people redecorating their house from top to bottom? New art, new pillows, like everything felt like it was seasonal and everything felt small and store-bought. And let me tell you, the the images were great. These women are very, um, they're so talented and there's nothing wrong with styling with a lot of pumpkins. So that wasn't my frustration. My frustration was, is there another way? Is there another way to make it look beautiful that doesn't require me buying 87 pumpkins and then storing them and pulling them out every year? Because first of all, I'm a cozy minimalist, but second of all, I don't know if you know the lazy genius, Kendra Adachi, but I'm a lazy genius and I don't want to have to pack away 87 round circular pumpkins. I don't have room in my life for that. I'm too lazy for that. I won't want to lug them out next year. What if I change my mind? I don't like the color. So it just, I was really frustrated with like the direction that seemed like everyone was headed, which was an overabundance of store-bought decor that has to be stored. And I really felt like there is more than just that to our fall decorating. There can, there can be both like that can be beautiful. And if, if that is what gives you life, I want you to do that. Like, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm shaming them because I am not, I'm just saying it's not for me. And I've learned when something like that isn't for me, there's usually a whole bunch of people just like me who are also kind of feeling that same way. Like, man, I really love that porch, but I don't feel like I can do that. So what do I do? And that is who Welcome Home is for. Anyone that doesn't want to have to pack away bins and bins of decor, but still wants their home to feel like fall, still wants to feel it ready to host, you know, the seasonal celebration. That is who this book is for. And it's amazing. That is so good. And that is me. Yeah, I was the girl last year scrolling through things. And like you said, beautiful porches. But I was like, well, let's just start out with the fact that I don't have stairs to my front door. <laughs> like I, this is unattainable for me. And so because of it, I kind of felt behind, yeah. which doesn't even, I mean, that's not even, it's not a thing. Like you're not behind, you're just different. Apples and oranges. So like, how can I make my home cozy? How can I make my home feel like fall without, like you're saying, bring out 
all the garland, all the pumpkins, all the everything. So I'm, this is perfect timing too, because hello fall, everyone is so excited about you. And I'm wondering now, can you give us a few spoilers from your book or just practicals top of your head? Like how can we then without lugging out all the stuff, create a cozy but seasonal home? That is a great question. And so I think about the way that we experience fall or any season in creation is through our five senses. And, but I was doing the opposite in my home. In my home, I was relying 100% on the visual thinking, okay, I have to change everything we see so that my family knows that I know that it's fall and we're celebrating it and yay fall because we all love to decorate for fall. Uh, But in real life, when we walk outside, we know what season it is because of, yes, what we see, but also what we feel and what we hear, uh, what we are smelling. All of these different things come into play and they add layers of information that help us know what season it is. And so to bring that in and instead of the mind shift, the mindset of um, maybe just approaching your home like a consumer and what can I buy to welcome fall? Now I think, well, what can I layer in? that honors the senses, that caters to the five senses, that helps me know that it's fall, that helps my family know that it's fall, that feels like fall to us. What sounds like fall to us? Well, we create a fall playlist. We have a playlist for every season. Uh, What smells like fall to us? So I might light the same smell and the same scented fall candle. I might get scented dish soap that smells like fall to us or do my essential oils, whatever it is. And so I'm slowly adding these layers of the season through seasonal supplies that cater to the five senses. And then by the time I get to the visual, yes, I still want the most beautiful pumpkin at the farmer's market. And I'm going to buy the biggest pumpkin I can find. But the burden it comes off of all the visual a little bit because when you walk in my home, it smells like fall. It sounds like fall. It tastes like fall. It feels like fall. And then I can add that, that last layer of some visual decor. So it also looks like fall. Um, This is so good because it goes so far beyond fall. Like I think this applies to Christmas. This applies to like minimalist, like just taking things out for summer to create space to play and, to feel cool and to cool down. So I love the layers idea. Honestly, like I'm so glad you said it because I think that we so often, like you're saying, emphasize on what we see. We forget like you could totally have a fun playlist playing and that's just as much fall decor as having, you know, a cozy throw that says thankful on it. It just, (laughs) there's so many different layers to this. I think we need to start thinking outside the box and I'm so thankful you're encouraging us to do. <laughs> Couldn't do this without you, for real. <laughs> well, and it also, um, it applies so much easier to every season. Because listen, I'm I'm not going to decorate my house with like bird cages and birds and Easter eggs. But I will seasonalize my home for spring. I want to seasonalize my home for summer. Because I want my house to, we've all probably walked in a house like in July. And the house felt dark and heavy. And you're like, oh my gosh, this house thinks it's December. This house doesn't realize (laughs) that it's July outside. I want my house, and most of us do. We want it to kind of recognize what season it is, but that doesn't necessarily rely on decor. It can just rely on other things that we're bringing in and decor as well. I change up my pillow covers for every season and my throw. In the winter, I'm going to have a heavy 
fur throw in the summer I'm going to have like a light throw that's blue and white maybe in the spring I have a pink one so it's those small things like that but a lot of times I think about function I think about what activities we're going to do at our house and so those are really going to help support the season and instead of having like 15 wreaths packed away one for every month that only gets like 30 days of use you know I'll think about well do I have the seasonal supplies I need if I want to have a fire in my fireplace do I have a poker do I have something pretty to hold the wood? Do I have a screen? And so those are things I used to, because I loved the visual so much and I wanted the season to feel like the season. I wanted fall and winter to feel like that. But then, you know, I'd bake bread and I wouldn't have a breadboard or a bread knife. And so now it's, it's kind of switched. I think, do I have the seasonal supplies to welcome in the season? If I'm going to have a fall playlist, do I have a speaker so I can hear that in my house? If I'm going to bake bread in the winter, do I have the breadboard and the bread knife and the uh, big soup pot so I can make chili? Do I have these supplies to help me welcome in the season? So it's changed how I shop. And and getting those seasonal supplies, they lead us to the celebrations. And so even in winter, you know, Rachel, I don't I don't decorate for Christmas first. I decorate for winter first. So I welcome winter and I get the seasonal supplies first. And it kind of takes the pressure off of decorating for Christmas because then I need less for my home to feel just as festive. It is really life-changing. Correct. Because we all know that feeling of taking down our Christmas tree after Christmas. And it's still January. It's still winter time. And I'm like, I still want to be cozy. But all of a sudden my house feels bare because all these decorations got taken down and so I love this like it it's funny too because as you're talking I'm thinking well duh like this should be this should become like first thing to our mind but it doesn't because I think going back to the hustle of like keeping up and doing it like everybody else we forget the small even logistical details like okay do I even like you're saying have a breadboard do I even have a cake platter do I even have like the things it's going to take to celebrate in the mundane ways. Yeah, this is good. So good. Another really cool thing you talk about is shopping your home, which is great if you have the stuff. And then I've also been seeing on Instagram that you are like killing it and finding lots of really cool fall decor and just even just normal decor for your house, like the home base you just shared the other day. So I want to know like if someone's kind of in a new space, they want to make something their own as well as making it seasonable. How do they know Like, okay, can I just find something I already have? Or when do I have the green light to go out and get something new to spice this up? Ooh, okay. I'm going to boss you with this because I have made so many wrong decisions of thinking, oh, okay, I'm in a new house and it doesn't quite look right. It doesn't quite feel like mine, especially if I'm renting. I don't have control to paint the walls or change the carpet. So I'm going to go to Target. I'll buy, you know, I'm on a budget. I'll spend $20 and I'll buy a cute tchotchke. I bring it home and then I'm like, why do I still hate my room? I was spending money on the wrong things and I was doing things out of order. And so if you're in a new place and you're sick of your room, or if you're in a, if you're in a place you've been a long time um, and, and you're not happy with it. So the number one thing is you, you need to work in one room at a time. So I do not, and this is not necessarily for seasonal decor. This is just for every day. If you are unhappy with the way a room looks and like, I need to make some decisions in the, this room more than just adding a pumpkin. Uh, and so the number one rule is one room at a time, pick a room to start in and to focus on. And the next thing we do is we make a Pinterest board. So I want you to make a Pinterest board for that room. And I want you to pin anything that feels uh, right for 
your style or maybe what you're thinking about the room, you don't have to explain it. You don't have to say, well, my room only has eight foot ceilings and this one has 10, so I can't pin that. Or my room doesn't have a fireplace and this one, no. And it's not about single things. Like, let me, let me pin this rug on a white background. No, I want you to in, pin inspirational rooms and get like 40 or 50, because what that does is it helps you go back and be able to make decisions about your style. I'm not a big believer in like having a cute name for your style. I certainly don't think it hurts, but I also don't believe that it actually helps because it doesn't make any decisions for us. But <laughs> okay, yes. looking at those inspiration photos can help us go back and say, Ooh, I, I'm picking out a rug, but all the rugs have this big pattern on it. Am I going to like a big pattern rug? Well, you've already decided if you liked them by what you pinned. So now you can go back and look at those photos. And if a lot of those photos have a big pattern rug, you can have more confidence or maybe a colored rug or whatever it is. It kind of helps you hone in your style without having to name it. And the other thing that I want you to do if you're thinking about a room is before you make any decisions, you know, decorating doesn't start in the furniture store. It starts with uh, what you have, uh, what you want and what you need from the room. And so think about what activities need to happen in that room for the next couple years. So not what the builder said, not how you have been using the room because family needs change all the time, but how can the room best serve you? And so once you know the activities, if you're going to be eating in there, if you're going to be watching TV or doing work or sewing, whatever it is, those inform your seating, your surfaces and your storage. And so that will help you know, then you can say, okay, I, I want to be able to feed six people. You know, maybe you're working on your dining room. I want to be able to feed six people at my table. That's an activity, but I only have four chairs. Well, then I would say, well, shop your house and pull in some extra chairs and see, number one, see if you have room for them. Uh, number two, it help even if you don't use those chairs, maybe you need to put them back in the room they came from, will help you know what to look for when you do go shopping or when you're looking on Facebook Marketplace or the antique mall or whatever it is. Maybe you need a chair. Once you put, you know, your temporary shop the house chairs there, you can decide, well, I want something taller than that or smaller in uh, scale or something upholstered or that color is really bad. Or you might discover these are the perfect chairs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to get something else for where these were. And so shopping the house can help in multiple ways. This is good. And to shopping house for decor is a really good way. I found this is what I've learned from you. I love like whenever I feel like I need a refresh and I, I don't know if all women feel this way or if I have a problem, but sometimes I'll have this feeling where I'm like, I just need to go buy something. Like I just need to go buy something. And I instead will like start, I'm like looking at my bookshelves. I kind of take down all the pieces of decor, put them on one big table with some of my other decor, maybe have been neglected for a while and I'll start like re-piecing things up there, repurposing or whatever. And it has been so fun and um, like have even been inspired to like take one of my grandmother's old recipe cards that was in a recipe box and like frame it. It's just fun. Like you can think outside of the box. You don't have to do it a certain way. But I love that Pinterest board idea because you can start getting confidence in like things that you really do like <laughs> already. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, the next time you feel, I, listen, I know exactly what you mean, because I get that too. There's nothing wrong with you. We're kindred spirits. But the next time you feel like, oh, I need to go buy something, just change that a little bit and say, oh, I need a visual change. Because first of all, you might need to go buy something, or you might need to shop your house, or you might need to shop the yard and cut some weeds, or you might need to, you know, paint something. So really what you're telling yourself is you just, you need a visual change. Something needs to change so you'll like it better. And maybe buying something is the answer, but maybe not. This is good. 
That's what I'm going to listen. I'm just going to export that one little snippet and make it like my ringtone. And the next time I feel that way, I'm going to be like, okay, but she said, okay, don't have permission yet. I'll just need change of vision. I love that. So helpful. My husband will be grateful you said that as well. Yes, absolutely. So one of the other things I really would love to dive into is um, let's talk through like style which is kind of your second pillar in your second book, which love that one too, Cozy Minimalist. For someone that feels like they they find pieces they love and then get them all together and they're like, okay, now I don't even know like how to do certain things. Do you have tips or tricks or even like two things that have really helped you with specifically just style? I'm just making sure that, okay, you've got a lot of really cute stuff now. Like what do we even do with it? It's a great question. And I, first of all, I do think making the Pinterest board will help you hone in on your style so much because after you, you know, give yourself a few days after you get 50, 40, 50, 60 pins, you'll start to see repeating things and it will become obvious to you like, oh, I love neutrals or, oh, I love a more masculine or, oh, I'm really drawn to eclectic or whatever it is. And then you can be sure that in your home, you are using those things, or maybe there's something in your home, you've been given a dirty look to. And that will just confirm like, I don't like that style. And that's what it is. Like, maybe I need to give myself permission to sell it on Facebook marketplace. Uh, I'm not a big person who tries to make decisions based on style I make decisions on individual items based on if I just fall in love with them or not. And if I need them functionally, and I believe all styles can work together. I think uh, we actually need to mix styles. So I think we need to take the pressure off of that. But I do think there are some things that contribute to having uh, maybe if someone walks in your house, you know, if you ever have gone like in a model home and it almost feels like a robot styled it, like nothing, it's because it has no style because it has to be so universally um, likable that it's Ooh, almost unlikable, yeah. but they're, they're fine, you know, but there's nothing unique and it's because there's no risks taken. And it's just, it has to please as many as people as possible because they're trying to sell the house. Um, and so that is an example of like not having a lot of style. If you need to up, if you feel like maybe your room is feeling a little boring, a little riskless, a couple of things that I like to remind myself is um, kind of what contributes to the style factors. And so how we read style in a room, this is all in the Cozy Minimalist Home book. And that is uh, number one is just scale. And so scale is the size of something in comparison to what else it is near it. And so a lot of times because we are good stewards of our money and we don't want to waste money or because it's kind of scary to buy larger things, we usually are buying things too small for our room, especially decorative objects. So I have a rule that I don't really buy anything smaller than a pineapple to style my home with. So if I want a vase, I want to buy the big one because it's going to have visual presence and it's going to read as having a unique, little bit risky style. And so if you're just getting into that and it is kind of scary to buy the bigger one, to buy the bigger thing, you know, start with some place where you can easily return it, where you can bring it home. And if you've never bought larger things, if you're used to buying all like smalls that maybe fit in the palm of your hand and that's how you decorate with, then I would love for you to bring something home and live with it for 24 hours. You know, whether it's borrowing it from your mom's or maybe shopping your house and you have something in the attic, most of America, our wrong choices are buying rugs that are too small, hanging our drapes too low, um, putting our furniture in the wrong place and having tchotchkes 
that are too tiny. And so everything is too small. And when things are too small, we see the empty space. And what do we automatically do? We want to fill it with more things and we go buy more small things. And so really, when you look back at your Pinterest board that I want you to make for the room you're working on, I want you to look at it and look at the size of things and and see how those relate to style. You will see the art is large. You will see uh, the vases and the containers are large. Like most of the time, the rooms that we are drawn to are using less uh, and fewer but bigger items. And that really contributes to style. Wow. Fun fact. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm saying yes, absolutely. Like some of my favorite even pins on Pinterest are ones that are bigger and bolder they just go for it and I think that's really it too is like having the confidence to just do it and sit with it figure out if you like it and then you can always return it if you needed to you know if if the store allows all the things um one of my questions I really would love to ask kind of like a rapid fire question is let's say you are in a decor store one of your favorites do you have a weakness like something that it's really hard to pass by without getting one of or getting oh. a view of? <laughs> uh, my weakness is like chunky lamps. I love a pair. A pair of chunky lamps is, uh, for a good price is so hard. Like a beautiful va- va- vase. Um, because I really like, if I'm going to have a lamp in my house, which that's another thing that most of us don't have the right lighting. And that makes all the difference in the room, especially at night, to have these cozy pockets of light. Um, but lamps are so powerful, but I love them to work double duty. I don't want them just to be functional. I want them to be beautiful. And so instead of like the invisible thin iron lamp, I want a lamp that also like functions as style that reads a style. So I want a big chunky fun lamp. That's how I like to do it. So that's hard for me to pass up and any interesting, I love textiles. So like a really interesting throw or something with tassels on it. So my weakness, I would rather have throw pillows than shoes any day of the week. That's me. Yes. I'm like, I could have three pairs of shoes that I just rotate out, but like, give me all the throw pillows. And my, that's probably one of my husband and I's like first fights as a married couple was I just was loving the pillows for the bed. And he was like, okay, so let me get this straight. At the end of the day, we just take all these off and we get in bed. And then at the beginning of the day, we put all these back on. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you spend most of your day out of the bed. And I want to look at these pillows. And he could not wrap his mind around it. I was like, please get this. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. Oh, I'm so, okay. Yes, you've just made me feel so much more normal in this conversation. Thank you. <laughs> I love asking this question to kind of wrap things up, what's something, and it could be a shameless plug because you've got a lot of cool things to plug. What is something that you are loving these days that you have to tell people about? It could be song, product, idea, anything. Oh my gosh, Rachel, I'm horrible at like, here, here's a question you haven't thought about before. <laughs> yeah, the <answer> my bad. <laughs> um, I'll think of it tomorrow. I know, I, I do. Something I tell people, like, you don't have to, here, I'll tell you, it is in my book, but you don't have to buy the book to get this. You do not have to buy pretend fall foliage, like pretend plastic fall leaves or pretend dried fall, you know, flowers for fall decorating. If there is one season more than any other where we can go outside and cut dead 
things and bring them in and have them look amazing, it is the fall. So there's, you know, the Michael's fall section should be non-existent because there's so much good stuff we can get for free. We shouldn't be buying anything from them because God has provided so many good things with, even if you don't have a backyard. And there were many times that we didn't have a backyard. But we lived around the corner from an empty lot or, you know, the the church parking lot had some trees and they let me cut from them or my mom's house had something or a neighbor. I've always been able to kind of forage some free things to cut and bring inside, whether that's like pompous grass or just some dried branches or whatever it is to kind of help bring the season into the home without having to buy something that I have to pack away. Yes, there's so much beauty that's for free right outside. And I feel like fall is the best weather or just best season in general to be able to go and find colorful foliage outside (laughs) so why yeah and they're already kind of dead anyway so it's not like they're gonna die on you exactly dried out yep (laughs) they'll last as long as you need them to yeah this is so good so good well where can someone find welcome home or you online or any of the things we've talked about today well i would love that you can find the welcome home book anywhere Books are sold. You can stop by my website, thenester.com, if you want to find out more about it. And I hang out on Instagram, do daily tips there. And my handle is thenester. And so I encourage you by sharing photos of my own lived in and loved on house and usually try to give, you know, some kind of takeaway every day. So it's not just, you know, photos. It's really about, I consider myself a teacher. So if you want to be taught, if you want to be bossed by a bossy big sister, hang out with me on Instagram. And it's so worth it, everyone. Oh my goodness. So worth it. Especially to my friends that have reached out online that are thinking, all right, I'm also in a temporary home. What do I do? I'm like, okay, step one, follow the nester. <laughs> so we'll link all these things in the show notes and more. We are seriously your biggest fans. And I am so grateful that you were able to spend some time with us today. Oh, you're so kind. It was so much fun. Thanks for having me. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.